Chapter Sixteen of April's Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. April's Lady by Margaret Wolfe Hungerford. Chapter Sixteen out of the day and night a joy has taken flight life i know not what thou art you too cries miss maliphant pleasantly in her loud good-natured voice she addresses them as though it has been borne in upon her by constant reminding that joyce and dysart are for the best of all reasons generally to be found together there is something not only genial but sympathetic in her tones something that embarrasses dysart and angers joyce to the last degree well i'm glad to have met you for one moment out of the early burly goes on the massive heiress to joyce with the friendliest of smiles i'm off at cock-crow you know and so mightn't have had the opportunity of saying good-bye to you but for this fortunate meeting to-morrow says joyce more with the matter of one who feels she must say something than from any desire to say it yes and so early that i shall not have in my power to bid farewell to any one unless indeed with a glance at beauclerk meant perhaps to be coquettish but so elephantine in its proportions as to be almost anything in the world but that some of my friends may wish to see the sun rise we shall miss you says joyce gracefully though with an effort just what i've been saying breaks in beauclerk at this juncture who hitherto has been looking on with an altogether delightful smile upon his handsome face we shall all miss miss maliphant it is not often that one meets with an entirely genial companion my sister is to be congratulated on securing such an acquisition if only for a short time joyce lifting her eyes stares straight at him for a short time what does that mean if miss maliphant is to be lady baltimore's sister-in-law she will undoubtedly secure her for a lifetime oh you are too good said miss maliphant giving him a playful flick with her fan well what would you have me say persists beauclerk still lightly with wonderful lightness in fact considering the weight of that playful tap upon his bent knuckles that we shall not be sorry would you have me lie then fee fee miss maliphant the truth the truth and nothing but the truth at all risks and hazards here he almost imperceptibly sends flying a shaft from his eyes at joyce 
who receives it with a blank stare we shall i assure you be desolated when you go specially isabel this last pretty little speech strikes dysart as being specially neat this putting the onus of the regret on isabel's shoulders all through beauclerk has been careful to express himself as one who is an appreciative friend of miss maliphant but nothing more yet so guarded are these expressions and the looks that accompany them that miss maliphant might be pardoned if she should read a warmer feeling in them a sensation of disgust darkens his brow i must say you are all very nice to me says the heiress complacently poor soul no doubt she believes in every bit of it and a large course of cow-towing from the world has taught her the value of her pile however with true manchester grace there is no need for howling over it we'll all meet again i dare say some time or another for one thing lady baltimore has asked me to come here again after christmas february i dare say so glad murmurs joyce rather vaguely so you see says miss maliphant with ponderous gaiety that we are all bound to put in a second good time together you're coming i know mr dysart and miss kavanagh is always here and mr beauclerk with a languishing glance at the charming person who returns it in the most open manner has promised me that he will be here to meet me well if i can you know says he now beaming at her how's that says the heiress turning promptly upon him it is strange how undesirable the very rich heiress can be at times why it's only just this instant that you told me nothing would keep you away from court next spring what do you mean she brings him to book in a most uncompromising fashion a fashion that betrays unmistakably her plebeian origin dysart listening admires her for it her rough and ready honesty seems to him preferable to the best bred shuffling in the world did i say all that says beauclerk lightly coloring a little nevertheless as he marks the fine smile that is curling joyce's lips why then gaily if i said it i mean it if i hesitated about endorsing my intentions publicly it is because one is never sure of happiness beforehand believe me miss maliphant with a little bow to her but with a direct glance at joyce every desire i have is centred in the hope that next spring may see me here again well i expect we have the same wish says miss maliphant cheerfully who has not caught that swift glance at joyce i am sure i hope that nothing will interfere with my coming here in february it is agreed then 
says beauclerk with a delightfully comprehensive smile that seems to take in every one even the plants and the dripping fountain and the little marble god in the corner who is evidently listening with all his might we all meet here again early next year if the fates be propitious you dysart you pledge yourself to join our circle then i pledge myself says dysart fixing a cold gaze on him it is so cold so distinctively hostile that beauclerk grows uncomfortable beneath it when uncomfortable his natural bias leads him towards a display of bonhomie here we have before us a prospect to cheer the soul of any man declares he shifting his eyes from dysart to miss maliphant it cheers me certainly responds the heavy maiden with alacrity i like to think we shall all meet again like the witches in macbeth says joyce indifferently but not so malignantly i hope says the heiress brilliantly who like most worthy people can never see beyond her own nose for my part i like old friends much better than new she looks round for the appreciation that should attend this sound remark and is gratified to find dysart is smiling at her perhaps the core of that smile might not have been altogether to her taste most cores are difficult of digestion to her to whom all things are new where does the flavor of the old come in beauclerk is looking at joyce i hope the prospect cheers you too says he a little sharply as if nettled by her determined silence and bent on making her declare herself you i trust will be here next february sure to be says she with an enigmatic smile not a jot or title of your enjoyments will be lost to you in the coming year both your friends miss maliphant and i will be here to welcome you when you return something in her manner in the half defiant light in her eyes puzzles beauclerk what has happened to her since they were last together not more than an hour ago she seemed er well inwardly he smiles complacently but now could she is it possible was there a chance that miss kavanagh begins he moving towards her but she makes short work of his advance i repent says she turning a lovely smiling face on dysart a while ago i said i was too tired to dance i did myself injustice that waltz listen to it lifting up an eager finger would it not wake an anchorite from his aesthetic dreams come there is time she is sprung to her feet life is in every movement she slips her arm into dysart's not understanding yet half understanding moves with her his heart on fire for her 
his puzzlement rendering him miserable beauclerk with that doubt of what she really knows full upon him is wiser without hesitation he offers his arm to miss maliphant and so swift is his desire to quit the scene he passes dysart and joyce the latter having paused for a moment to recover her fan you see says beauclerk bending over the iris when a turn in the conservatory has hidden him from the view of those behind i told you he says nothing more it is the veriest whisper spoken with an assumption of merriment very well achieved yet if she would have looked at him she could have seen that his very lips are white but as i have said miss maliphant's mind has not been trained to the higher courses yes one can see laughs she happily and it is charming isn't it to find two people thoroughly in love with each other now-a-days is to believe in that mad old world of romance of which we read they're very nice too both of them i do like joyce she's one in a thousand and mr dysart is just suited to her they are both thorough there's no nonsense about them now that you have pointed it out to me i think i never saw two people so much in love with each other as they providentially she is looking away from him to where a quadrille is forming in the ballroom so that the deadly look of hatred that adorns his handsome face is unknown to her meantime joyce with the convenient fan recovered is looking with sad eyes at dysart come the music will soon cease says she why do you speak to me like that cries he vehemently if you don't want to dance why not say so to me why not trust me good heavens if i were your bitterest enemy you could not treat me more distantly and yet i would die to make you happy don't says she in a little choking sort of way turning her face from him she struggles with herself for a moment and then still with her face averted says meekly thank you then if you don't mind i should rather not dance any more to-night why didn't you say that at first says he with a last remnant of reproach no there shall be no more dancing to-night for either you or me a word joyce turning eagerly toward her you won't forget your promise about that walk to-morrow no no indeed thank you they are sitting very close together and almost insensibly his hand seeks and finds hers it was lying idle on her lap and lifting it he would have raised it to his lips but with a sharp violent action she wrests it from him and as a child might hides it behind her 
if you would have me believe in you no no not that says she a little incoherently her voice rendering her meaning with difficulty dysart astonished stands back from her waiting for something more but nothing comes except two large tears that steal heavily painfully down her cheeks she brushes them impatiently away forgive me she says somewhat brokenly to you who are so good to me i am unkind while to those who are unkind to me i she is trying to rally it was a mere whim believe me i have always hated demonstrations of any sort and why should you want to kiss my hand i shouldn't says he if his eyes have fallen from her eyes to her lips never mind says she i didn't understand perhaps but why can't you be content with things as they are are you content with them i think so i have been examining myself and honestly i think so says she a little feverishly well i am not returns he with decision you must give me credit for a great private store of amiability if you imagine that i am satisfied to take things as they now exist between you and me you have your faults you see as well as another says she with a frown you are persistent and the worst of it is that you are generally right she frowns again but even while frowning glances sideways from under her long lashes with an expression hardly uncivil that is the worst crime in the calendar be wrong sometimes and you love me it will gain you a world of friends if it could gain me your love in return i might risk it says he boldly but that is hopeless i'm afraid shaking his head i am too often in the wrong not to know that neither my many frailties nor my few virtues can ever purchase for me the only good thing on which my soul is set i have told you of one fault now hear another says she capriciously you are too earnest what turning upon him passionately as if a little ashamed of her treatment of him is the use of being earnest who cares who looks on who gives one moment to the guessing of the meaning that lies beneath to be in earnest in this life is merely to be mad pretend laugh jest do anything but be what you really are and you will probably get through the world in a manner if not satisfactory to yourself at all events to les autres you preach a crusade against yourself says he gently you preach against your own conscience you are the least deceptive person i know 
were you to follow in the track you lay out for others the cruelty of it would kill you to your own self be true and yes yes i know it all says she interrupting him with some irritation i wish you knew how how unpleasant you can be as i tell you you are always right that last dance it is true i didn't want to have anything to do with it but for all that i didn't wish to be told so i merely suggested it as a means of getting rid of miss maliphant says dysart who is feeling a little sore the disingenuousness of this remark is patent to her no mr beauclerk corrects she coldly forgive me says dysart quickly i shouldn't have said that well drawing a long breath we have got rid of them and may i give you a word of advice it is disinterested because it is to my own disadvantage go to your room to your bed you are tired exhausted why wait to be more so say you will do as i suggest you want to get rid of me says she with a little weary smile that is unworthy of an answer gravely but if a yes to it will help you follow my advice why i will say come rising let me take you to the hall you shall have your way says she rising too and following him a side door leading to the ante-room on their left and thus skirting the ballroom without entering it brings them to the foot of the central staircase good night says dysart in a low tone retaining her hand for a moment all round them is a crowd separated into twos and threes so that it is impossible to say more than the mere commonplace good night returns she in a soft tone she has turned away from him but something in the intense longing and melancholy of his eyes compels her to look back again oh you have been kind i am not ungrateful says she with sharp contrition joyce joyce let me be the grateful one returns he his voice is a mere whisper but so fraught is it with passionate appeal that it rings in her brain for long hours afterward her eyes fall beneath his she moves silently away what can she say to him it is with a sense of almost violent relief that she closes the door of her own room behind her and knows herself to be at last alone end of chapter 16 recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver bc